Welcome to another episode of Orchata Time with Meli. Today's episode discusses topics that can be triggering to some, such as mental illness, mention of suicide, and abuse. All opinions are my own and are not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition or substitute for medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before starting or discontinuing treatment. I am not a therapist or a doctor. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text HOME to the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is going to be a pretty heavy one that I've been wanting to do for a while now. The subject of mental health has always been super important to me as long as I've known about it, and it's one of the very reasons I started this podcast. Not only that, but this is my first solo episode, and to be honest with y'all, I'm kind of nervous. I don't really get nervous about things like this, but talking to myself for 30 plus minutes is going to be interesting. I know this episode is also pretty late, and there are two reasons. Well, maybe three. Okay, two. But the first, yeah, okay, so two, the first three, I was going to say three, but the first kind of goes with it, so I'm going to say two. (laughs) The first reason is that seasonal depression hit with a three-course meal this year, baby. I don't know what happened, but there was just something in the air that made it extra seasoned. It's extra season this year. It's been hard to do anything but work and go to the gym. I just have gotten into a slump, especially because I've had a lot of changes going on in my life with my sister moving away and she's someone I'm super close to. I've always called her my soulmate and I think this has made our bond grow stronger because we love each other and appreciate any moment we get to talk to each other. But it's been hard on me, especially, and everyone in my family kind of knows it, which is the best because they're treating me like a queen, taking care of me. (laughs) And it's literally not like she's gone forever or anything. She still lives so close. She's just in India right now, so it's super hard. Um, Like, the time zones are 180 day is night over here, night is day over there, whatever, you know. Um, But we have both grown and changed so much. And it's a period of nostalgia where you remember your childhood and all those good, good old days. But anyways, I'm pretty proud of myself because in the past I would have quit and just let Jesus take the wheel. But (laughs) now I'm doing things that I know future Melly is thanking me for. Second, that was my first reason. Gosh, that was a big first reason. But anyway, second, I know I just said I really wanted to make this episode, but I had to really sit down and think about making it. I like a private life, even though it doesn't really seem like it. I promise I'm a Gemini, so I know how to make my life look like y'all know a lot. But I do like a private life. I also like to help people at the same time. It's such a blessing and a curse, to be honest. I'm a big believer in the evil eye and people using things against you behind closed doors or even to my face. There's there's some weird people out there. So I was scared to be so open and vulnerable about the things I don't talk about to, to everyone. And after discussing with family, I know this is what I want to do. This is my best option. I've learned that being soft is not a weakness. I want to embrace myself, and that means embracing all of me. Um, I do want to put a disclaimer 
that the people throughout my journey are not to be blamed because I don't blame them for anything. I don't like to hold resentment in my heart like that or let people have that power over me. Um, and one other thing, I will probably cry. I am, rest assured, I will cry. <laughs> one thing about me is that I'm a cancer moon and my inner child slash teen held onto this for so long without crying. So I cry whenever I need to now. And this will be one of those times. <laughs> so this is me and my story with living in a Latino household with a mental illness. Mental illness was never something we talked about in our house, and I didn't really know anything about it until high school. I didn't learn about it through classes or anything like that. I started hearing about depression and anxiety through friends and friends of friends. They would tell me what it was and that they were diagnosed with it. And at the time, I'd be like, ah, they're just making that up or... That's not something that could affect me. I'm strong and brave and resilient. Or even sometimes I would think, which here comes the stigma. I would be like, that's only for the weird emo kids. But oh boy, was I wrong. Um, I have a pretty open mom and dad. But of course, being from Mexico, they brought their customs and traditions. And that, of course, came with the way they parent. Now, I don't blame my parents for the way they disciplined us at all. Parenting doesn't come with a handbook that teaches you how to do it. You kind of just have to do it. And they did what they could with the resources and knowledge they had. They have also apologized for many things, which I am so grateful for because I know they didn't do it out of vicious intent um also speaking to others that have been hurt you do not have to forgive people who have hurt you to heal but we will talk about that later I forgive my parents but again you never have to do this they were raising us how they were raised and it was less strict of course which doesn't make it any better but I now understand where they were coming from my parents were very young when they had us. By the time they had me, they were 30 and I was their third child. I can't speak for them, but how scary must it have been to be 30, raising three children in a country that is not your own? The pressure was there coming from work, family, and I can only imagine so many other factors. So growing up, I had a really great childhood. The good always overcomes the bad for me. I I don't know if that's a repression type of thing that I do, but I always try to think of the good. And maybe it's me just being delusional. No, I'm just kidding. I It was good. And I can remember having like a huge backyard and friends to play with and yeah, it was a lot of materialistically good things, but we didn't always have the emotional bonding that we have now in our family, now that we've all grown, um, because there would be the bad times too, where we got in trouble for certain things. And at that time, this is how you think every child gets in trouble. So you have to live through it. I know it's a joke, in the Hispanic community to laugh about getting hit with la chancla, which is the sandal. But as a child, it was anxiety inducing, thinking about not doing something right and getting hit because of it. I remember being scared of my parents when they would raise their voice because I correlated that to violence, which was the hitting. As a child, you wanted grace and patience extended towards you in a time of mistakes and errors, but in our house, we would get la chancla or el cinturón, the belt. Yes, it disciplined us and made us not do certain things again. But I feel like the stricter you are with your kids, the more they'll want to rebel as they grow. And that's something parents sometimes don't understand. But it's just how how they had to deal with their 
repercussions when they were younger. And as we were growing up, we were also kind of trained to portray this fake image of a perfect family with perfect attitudes that got into no trouble or didn't stand their ground when being treated poorly. And this had a lot to do with my parents not being from here or knowing the language. So it translated to us not sticking up for anything and lying like that as a kid really messes with your head. And it was such a damaging ideology for me because as I grew older, I didn't want anyone to think I had any sort of problems. I wanted to please everyone. I was a huge people pleaser and I didn't want to look like anything less than perfect. Hence the going back and forth with making this episode. But it's so important to show the world the bad sides. It makes people feel less alone because imagine if we were all perfect. Mm, No thanks. What a boring life. We need a little bit of spice. (laughs) And trust me, there was a lot of drama behind closed doors for us. Now, I... I don't want to air my family's dirty laundry. I That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to say that we're not perfect and we never want to act like it. Yes, there are certain aspects of our life we keep private, but for us, there's now a difference we see between the intimacy of communicating between family and unrealistic standards or fake portrayals of something that we're not, which is perfect with zero problems. There's also the aspect of comparisons um, in Hispanic households to cousins, family members, friends, anyone quote unquote better than you. You just feel like you have to live up to all these expectations because your parents came from so far. And if you don't do something big with your life, you're a failure. So as this was all happening when I was little, I didn't know the effect it would have on me as I got older. I had to grow up quite quickly. I, along with my sisters, would have to take care of myself getting home from school by ourselves, locking doors up and never going outside until our parents got back because that's just how it had to work. My parents had to make money to support the family And it taught us to be independent. Um, My middle sister, Lise, is a huge factor in who I have become today, the sister I was talking about earlier, because she kind of took it upon herself to raise me. She fed me, played with me, and made sure I took a bath, even if she had to drag me in, (laughs) in there, in the bathtub with my older sister. By the way, why were we like that as kids? Or was it just me? I hated showers. I absolutely loathed them. <laughs> um, after we moved from our first house that I grew up in, we moved to our home where I started in middle school and finished my school career. Um, and I was still having to grow up fast. I came home alone. I had my friends to walk with me, but I would have to be alone for a little bit before someone showed up or sometimes someone was already there, but I think that was pretty rare. During my middle school years, my niece was born and that whole experience is another story, but one thing I can say is that it made me mature a lot faster than most of my classmates did. Don't get me wrong, I know everyone had something going on at home, whether it was good or bad, but it didn't diminish the fact that I was now not only trying to take care of myself, But I took it upon myself, I think I got it from Lise, I guess, my sister, to take care of my niece, which I don't regret and I will never regret. She is seriously the best thing that has ever happened to our family and I love her like she is my own little baby. And although at that time when I became a teenager, I would throw that in everyone's face along with the fact that I grew up too fast and I just had a very bitter heart towards the whole situation. I held so much resentment in my heart that it was starting to eat me alive, but I never showed it. It always was in my head that I needed to be strong for everyone, not show them that it was 
affecting me the way it did. In turn, that hurt me. I had my first panic attack. Hey, yay. (laughs) I can remember it quite vividly. Um, I was around 11. Yeah, 11, I believe. I do remember having those heaving, like the hyperventilating moments, crying from being yelled at or hit when I was younger. But this one I classify as my first, just because I remember it so well. I was in sixth or seventh grade and I had an older guy following me to the bus stop every few days. I remember it getting worse. Um, one day when he was there after school and that never happened he was only there in the morning so I told my friend how scared I was and the connection he had to me and if I could go home with her she so she took me in and her mom was there and she calmed me down and let me stay until my parents got home I'm so grateful for her Um, the situation escalated and a whole bunch of things happened in between but the point is that it was a traumatic experience that lived with me for so long. A few years later, I think um, I was definitely in eighth grade, seventh or eighth. Of course, when we grow up, we start to like people. People start to become attractive to us, whatever. Well, there was a guy at our school that preyed on a lot of girls and he would go around touching them inappropriately. I remember I was one of those girls and there was a whole court case built against him where all of the girls had to go and testify against him. This was my introduction to sexual assault and the different parts of it. I'm, I I didn't know anything about it before and I'm glad the school was watching out for us but at the same time I was made to feel ashamed of this and never really speak of it again when it should have been the other way around I never have talked about this until now to be honest like when we went to court of course my dad came my whole family knew um I had friends that had that were in the same situation as me, that we bonded over that experience because we all had to go to court together. But after that, it was just like nothing happened. I don't like the way they handled it. It was, I can see why why girls don't come forward and why none of us came forward. It was the school that started seeing how he was acting. And so this is what girls learn though. You kind of just sweep it under the rug you sweep it away nothing happened you're fine go on with your life (laughs) so this was my life a very anxious preteen with a lot going on at home and at school and in her head I started getting into more trouble at school and my grades weren't always the best I do have to give a huge shout out to those teachers though that never gave up on me and got me right back on track Um, I was 13 and I still didn't know that I could experience mental illness. High school era comes along and my first introduction to my own depression comes with it. Yay, we love her. My home life is better and I have a handful of good friends around me, but one day it just hit me. I was sad all the time, sleepy, irritable, And who wouldn't be with all of that pent-up anger inside? I experienced my first suicidal thought around 9th or 10th grade. It seems like the smallest thing, but I had been missing the bus a lot or I was getting up late and I was not doing good in anything. I wanted to be good so bad. I tried sports, school clubs, going out with friends, and it wasn't working. I was missing school a lot. I was watching my world just crumble within my reach, and I felt so numb. I couldn't do anything about it. One day, I missed the bus for the universe knows what time again, and I just simply wanted to die. I laid in my bed that morning and I was so disappointed in myself. 
my family had talked to me about this, my teachers, everyone, and I wasn't doing anything to get better. I ended up getting a ride or something along those lines and went to school as normal, but inside I was falling apart. I remember this because I took a picture of myself this day and I remember telling myself that I'd always remember the story behind it because of the thoughts I was having. It wasn't too long after that that I couldn't take getting in trouble anymore. You know when parents don't ever hear about mental illness like mine hadn't, they think your rebellion is just that, an act against you, uh, against their rules. So at this point, I've been battling my mind since I was 10 or 11 and my parents didn't know anything except for the fact that I was letting them down, but... I was going to fight for myself, even if I didn't know what I was fighting for. Something in me knew I was worth more than what was going on inside my head. And that I had to grow and tell my story. I don't remember this specific part of my journey too well. All I remember is going to either my dad or the doctor and telling them what was going on with not feeling like myself. And... And now that I'm thinking about it, it was probably my dad I went to first. Because I, I don't know, I just trust him more than, oh wait, no, okay, wait. I went to my sister first. (laughs) My dad was next, I'm pretty sure. But I went to my sister first, she's, she's my angel. I remember now I got my first job at 16 and I now remember my parents were super against me having one because I was doing so bad in high school. I cared more about um, friends and social events that I was neglecting everything else. I kept having parent-teacher conferences and my parents were so frustrated with me and they felt so helpless. When I was in this phase of life, I remember I clung to this quote and I still have to tell myself some days, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. So I started my job and I was doing good for a while because I had structure, but it didn't take long for me to start messing up there too. I remember one day I was late again for like the hundredth time and I was driving super fast to work and there was a light that turned yellow or orange. What I call it orange, but a lot of people say it's yellow. It's orange, whatever you want to call it, okay? And I went through... It, but something mentally spiked in my brain. I could feel a spike in my brain, a switch or something to where I had to turn in somewhere and I just couldn't breathe because I had done that. And I even, and it wasn't even a red light and it had just turned orange and I had to calm myself down. I had to go into work as usual, but I told the guy that was running the place and he let me sit before my shift and I'm so glad for that but it was a hard shift to get through so I told my sister that night what happened or the next day something like that and told her I had been researching because I had been and I was seeing all the signs pointing to anxiety and so I told her that and she was so upset she started researching herself and saw that it was what I was dealing with and all I remember that about that day was that it was a sad day. After that incident, I went to my dad and told him what I was going through. I poured my heart out and I cried so much that night because he really tried to understand what I was going through. He, a lot of the times before when I was sick, my parents would say that I was just being lazy or that I need to stop acting out and do what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can't blame them for that. I never told them how I was fe- how I was feeling or th- my thoughts. So all that they saw was what was on the outside. They knew it was serious when I said that I would rather be gone than in this world. I even wrote a song about it that night. I felt a huge relief telling him, and I wrote a song on the piano. I was just crying all night, and it was it was it was good. Maybe I'll give it to y'all one day. <laughs> After the talk with my dad, I went on trying to heal by myself, but as you could imba- as you can imagine, 
I had a lot to work through (laughs) and I couldn't do it on my own. I went to the doctor and they did a questionnaire asking me, you know, the mental health questions that no one wants to ask or answer, but it's necessary to know how to begin that healing process. There were questions like if I've been sleeping, eating, all of that, but one of the very last questions was if I had been contemplating suicide. And I remember my dad being in there and the answers to all of these questions were not good. So just seeing the look of sadness on his face was already hard. But to have to admit this with my dad in the room was one of the hardest things I had to do. Um, Hard, but also a relief. A relief because I hadn't said this out loud to anyone. And we got a diagnosis for me. I was diagnosed with anxiety and severe depression that day. I hated the label I had to live with, but I was happy to finally have answers. It took a long time to finally find medication that worked with what I was dealing with at first, but um, we found one for my anxiety and then one for my depression, and it worked for a while. I was doing better. I got out of my first job and went somewhere else. I've had a lot of jobs, okay? (laughs) Um, But the hole I was in didn't seem so profound anymore. I also started therapy for a while, but I was in and out of it for a long time. I didn't commit to it like I should have. Now, high school had a lot of ups and downs. I wasn't having the worst time with my grades this time, but with my relationships. Falling out with a lot of friends because my attachment style was not the greatest. But there was also friendships that I depended way too much on. And honestly, should have been able to depend on them. But when someone let me down, I would feel worthless and like I wasn't doing something right. And I had a thing for being comfortable in chaos at this point. Anything that made my heart race or made me question its love for me I clung to and became addicted to it because that's what I thought love was to be in an environment that had way too much going on because that's just how I grew up when I would get really happy I would sit and wait and worry about when the fall would be so I never got to enjoy true happiness it was also around this time that I had to figure out my sexuality Um, and it got bad again. I remember meeting this girl online, as you do, and we just got on so well. I felt so comfortable with her. Um, and I'll talk more about this in my coming out story episode, but eventually we labeled it a lot of anxious attachment on my end. And she was just, she was built different for someone else. So we ended it. Well, she ended it, but I had to go through that alone. I didn't have anyone I could rely on. I had to come out to a select few, or I didn't have to, but I came out to a select few friends, but I didn't know how to cope and it got bad. It was also around this time that I had a panic panic attack so bad that I was hospitalized. So it was just a roller coaster of emotions and days I was going through that and leaned on different things to fill the void. I didn't have anyone to really guide me in the right direction. Yeah, I had friends, but you know how high schoolers are. They don't have the knowledge an adult does on what to do to heal. We weren't even thinking about that word. I ended up leaning on a different relationship and it became the biggest deception of my life. It was toxic, abusive, every bad thing you could think of in a long distance relationship happened. And I also will have an episode on this one because it's so bizarre. You won't, you're not going to see this one coming for me. (laughs) I ended up having to go back to therapy and got a new diagnosis, which was severe dissociation. I remember hearing that term and 
not really feeling anything because I was dissociating at the time that the doctor was telling me. I was just gone. You could not reach me. It was a 24-7 feeling and that was 2019 when it all ended and I got help to unlearn all the trauma I had gone through. I was on and off my meds. I sabotaged good things, became super codependent. I was codependent before, but God, was I super codependent now. I was just out of touch with reality. So that brings us to more recent years. (laughs) I have faced many challenging things since then, but have also been blessed with the most beautiful parts of my journey. Letting go of things like this really opened up pathways to the greatest life I was about to live. I just didn't see it like that at that time. Just the energy that I started putting out into the world was finally, finally starting to come back to me. I had to heal. There was no way around it, above it, below it, whatever. I finally had to face it. I had to let go of the perfect life I wanted because nothing is perfect. It doesn't happen like that. At this time, I was out to my parents. I came out to them in 2018, I think. And so that part was the one that made me feel more supported now. If I had to go through what I went through in 2019 alone... I can guarantee you that I would not be where I am today. I went to therapy again. I got on meds that helped my dissociation, my depression, my anxiety. And the best part about it is that we found some that helped all three and it's in one medication. And it's, it took, um, I think it was, I think it took four years to finally get it right, but It was so worth the wait because I felt so much better. I finally felt like I was inside my body. It took a while to get to that point, um, but I was finally staying consistent with all of it. Um, I remember I used to be so scared of being alone. I hated being by myself because that left me with the thoughts of different things that have hurt me or I was afraid of. I needed to always be doing something or I would break. And I was just so scared of being anything other than my mental illness because I didn't know who who that was. I didn't know how to be Melly without depression or anxiety or dissociation. I was in this comfort zone of chaos. I began grieving different parts of myself because after all I had been through, I wasn't able able to go back to that person I once was before. I knew how cruel certain aspects of life could be. I remember always crying because I wanted the old me back. And yes, yes, she is missed, but she is safe now. I fought for her, so she never has to go through that again, any of it. She learned the lesson and is at peace now. And I speak of her as if she's a whole other person, but that's my inner child and my inner teen. I had to really work through so much with that part of myself because with the child, it needed a lot of emotional needs met. And the teen part of me was mad at the whole world. She was a rebel. Yeah, I was a baddie. I found ways to self-soothe and cope where it wasn't chaotic or put me in bad situations. I stopped sabotaging my happiness in the name of feeling that high of hurting myself in different ways speaking of coping when you heal you're not going to be able to cope the same ways your past self would and this is this is going to sound so weird 
But sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I wish I didn't have healthy coping coping mechanisms. Like when you heal, you obviously get better at dealing with any sort of conflict. But sometimes I wish I was reckless and dumb with my decisions because when I was little, when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, I was always in defense mode. To be honest, I was in my fight or flight mode, so I didn't really get to como se dice rebel the way I wanted to rebel 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 okay um and yeah so I wish I was reckless and dumb with my decisions and that's because my brain gets in that defensive mode but then that's just a wave that happens for a few and my healthy brain comes in and is like, you've come this far. You didn't do it just to ruin it on one moment or person or whatever the circumstance may be. But sometimes you wish you could give people the same treatment <laughs> they gave you. And that may be how you are when you heal and find out more about yourself. But it's not who I am. And I'm kind of mad about it. I'm mad my parents didn't raise someone more mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A big thing I also learned was about maintaining friendships and learning secure attachment. When I first was unlearning my toxic traits, I wasn't the bestest friend or daughter or partner. And I made a lot of mistakes. My friend group now, they're the ones... That have really taught me secure attachment. It's something that therapy wasn't going to teach me. I had to get out there, make friends, and give them what I wanted in return. And you know, it's so crazy because the universe really does reward you with the energy you give it. And uh, I love, love, love who I have in my life right now. Especially the friend group I met while I was in school they know me inside and out and they treat me like this precious gem of a person and before I never felt like the best person to be friends with but there will be times where we're just chilling and they'll turn to me and say how much they appreciate me being here or something just super nice and I've never had that I love them so much oh my gosh shout out to them it was hard to have this when I always felt like the problem and yes this was on me and maybe my past friends trained me to be the best I could be with my now friends but at the same time I wasn't always at fault and I can't put all of that on me and another thing about secure attachment is that you're not gonna have secure attachment with everyone it your root attachment is something you can carry with you and implement into a lot of your relationships. But some people, and this this should be very telling and get your instincts going, some people bring out that anxious attachment or that, what's the other one? There's just, there's different attachment styles and some people bring out the worst ones and maybe that person isn't for you if you're not feeling emotionally safe with them. Okay, so now that I have thoroughly trauma dumped, be sure to take a breather after this episode, maybe drink some water, journal out your thoughts, whatever you need to process it all. I know there will probably be a few of you that are like, hmm, maybe I am mentally ill. And I kind of love that for you because you can begin your healing journey or maybe some of you are in the thick of it. Either way, make sure to please take care of yourself and get the help that you need. There are resources out there that can get you cheaper therapists, meds, all of that stuff. And, um... I will link some in the description if I 
find any. I remember finding or seeing things going around. So I will definitely try and find some stuff for you all. And if you think there is no way, there is always a way out and onward. I promise you have to be ready to go through this because it's not easy. And even I am still healing. I think life is all about healing, actually. And we're always going to be in that mindset of getting better and better. Obviously, it won't always be as hard, but I believe in you and I am so proud of you. Remember that it only hurts this much right now and you are someone aside from your illness. You have to face that side of you at some point though. And now I'm just talking to the mentally ill besties, mentally health, healthy people, mentally sane people move out of the way, but also must be nice. <laughs> But yeah, you have to face that side of yourself and take care of it because no one else is going to do it for you. No one is obligated either. And yes, I know that you aren't the one that gave you the trauma and the heartbreak and the sadness, but you are the one that has to fix it. I'm a big believer in not victimizing ourselves. We cannot play victim for the rest of our lives and blame everyone around us. We have to stop doing that because it hurts us in the end and doesn't do anything good but place the problem elsewhere once again. Um, I'm not saying you have to forgive everyone who has hurt you because quite frankly, it's a myth that you have to do that to heal. You are allowed to move on and not forgive because that in and of itself is a way of healing, just like forgiving is. One of the biggest sighs of relief I let out when I was um, in therapy is when I heard her say, it was not your fault. <sighs> I felt like a weight was lifted there. And... Uh, there were just all these things putting pressure on my chest and that pain actually translated physically even. But hearing that just made me cry. It's what I needed to hear at the time and it's what I need the people who have been pained so deeply to hear. It is not your fault. You're your own advocate and my biggest piece of advice for you to get everything going is going to your parent or guardian, partner, whoever, to communicate with them how it all works. Communication is such a big aspect in my healing journey. Um, I had, I didn't have to, but to get to the point where I am now, took a lot of communication. Um, if they don't listen, they may come around and they may not. Either way, communicate with friends or other family. Find a community and lean on them, but also learn to be by yourself. These people are not going to heal you. They aren't your therapist and it can hurt them too in the end if you just keep dumping more and more on them. Lean on them for support. Because the ones who love you will protect you. Community is everything. Especially nowadays when everything is on the phone. Okay, I sound so old saying this, but everything is on the phone. And you have it all at your fingertips. Um, but a phone call even can make your day brighter. Make sure to move your body around. It was meant to move around and it needs that. So let the stagnant energy out. Open windows. Go on walks. Because they're lifesavers, even if you get an indoor treadmill or walk around your house. But also be sure to listen to your body and take breaks when you need to. Because one thing about me is that I will never promote overworking to stop overthinking or overworking in general. If you feel like you can't get up, a huge thing that helped me when I was just staying in bed all day all the time was meditating and journaling 
When I started doing both of those, I was able to cry and tear pages and get everything out without doing too much that wear me out. It gets you connected to every part of you and truly does help. Also, I stopped checking in on people who have hurt me. I would become so obsessed with seeing their lives and it's just not good. There's nothing good you will find in that. When you start doing all these things to get better, you might want to go back to your old ways because it's comfortable and healing just gets so lonely, like so lonely. And you, this was the hardest part for me. I hated being alone. Like I said earlier, even with my thoughts, I loathed it. And during all of this, you are alone. You are alone. You're you're going to be alone, but you you're not lonely. You are learning about yourself and putting yourself away from everything you've ever known. You outgrow friendships, which should be normalized by the way. Sometimes you're not a shitty person. Sometimes you simply outgrow people because you're not on the same paths in life, and that is so so okay. Don't let anyone ever make you feel bad for that. They're just not a part of your journey anymore. Accept that you will carry pieces of people that hurt you and loved you for a while now. And maybe even forever. I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) But carrying those pieces used to make me so mad until I accepted it. Lastly, forgive yourself for what has happened because you did what you could with the knowledge and resources you had. You didn't know what would happen. You didn't know the things that would follow. Treat yourself gentle and with grace. Kind of like you would treat the younger version of you. I try not to compare my journey to other people's journey. We're all on our different paths and it'd be boring if we were all on the same anyways. Never feel jealous or bitter towards other people's accomplishments. It does nothing but ruin your spirit and your time will come to to accomplish all you wish to do. My dad always tells me that we have control of our feelings. And for a long time, I would fight him on that. I would be like, no, this is eating me up. You don't get it. I can't help this. Um... And my illness became who I was. I didn't see a way for it to be controlled until one day it was. And I changed my mindset and perspective and made that decision to get better because you have to consciously fight for yourself every day until it just comes naturally. You are the only one that has to be with yourself every day and every night. Make it a priority to treat yourself right. There's so many aspects of my life that I still want to work on and still want to heal parts of myself. But there's also so much more good that has come from all of the bad that has happened to me, if that makes sense. I couldn't have become the person I am today without all that has that I've been put through and yeah it was sad and yeah I still get mad sometimes because it's normal you can be sad or mad about something you thought you've healed from it doesn't just go away it when you when you heal it doesn't erase what happened Don't put that pressure on yourself. Finding out different things about me, fun facts about me, things that I didn't really want or care to learn for about myself has been so much fun. Hanging out by myself is so much fun now. And just, I've really come to appreciate my own time. I, sometimes I'd rather be just by myself chilling reading a book but I also just love my friends so I love to hang out with them I also really love my family so I I have to hang out with them (laughs) like life is so much fun now 
And there's this quote, there's, here comes another quote that I saw that I've come to love is wherever you go, there you are. Because there was certain times in my life where I was like, I'm going to move over here and get away from everything and everything will be fine. But if I would have moved and just like live, tried to live a different life, those feelings would have still been there. Those thoughts would have still been there. It doesn't change until you change it. So I have some questions. I I asked if anyone has questions on my Instagram. And Daniela Lopez asks, um, how do you juggle work, family, friends, and mental health all together? Boundaries. I love me a good no. Like if you can't do something, just say no. If you're feeling too drained, just say no. It's okay to say no. And that part of my vocabulary was very limited when I was a people pleaser. (laughs) And now I would do anything for myself. So little things like that will make a huge impact in being able to show up as the best version of yourself for any aspect of your life, family, friends, work. Also, you don't have to show up as the best version of yourself every time to these people, but you do want to uh, give time to them in the right way. I think that's my biggest thing is boundaries and I, my specialty is not scheduling, but I'm sure a good schedule helps. (laughs) Thank you for the question. Um, And thank you all for listening to my story and advice on living in a Latino household with mental illness. If you found this episode helpful or liked it in any way, please leave a five-star rating. If not, keep it to yourself. If I missed anything... (laughs) In this episode, let me know and I will probably most definitely make a second part to this. I hope you all have a great day or night and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!